for joining us on the Cork Creative Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to shine a light on the great work being done in local businesses. If you would like to learn more, please visit corkcreative.ie. In the third part of our Craft Brewers and Distiller series, where we focus on wonderfully crafted cork beers and spirits, Patrick speaks to Seamus O'Driscoll from Cape Clear Island Distillery. Seamus joins us from the island's newly connected digital hub, another great enhancement to island life. Seamus came to Cape Clear Island 30 years ago. He managed the co-op, the island ferry service and has worked for leisure as an animator. He and his wife Breed also operated some of their own businesses, including the re-establishment of an island shop, island accommodation and the ever-growing and successful Island Ferry and Fastnet Tours. Alongside a group of islanders with a shared commitment and passion for Cape Clear, Seamus helped give birth to the distillery, a distillery which has the Cape Clear community front and centre. Patrick and Seamus discuss how the island has steered the direction of the gin, from the use of natural ingredients grown there to the importance of the Cape Clear microclimate to the maturation process, how the distillery has grown from a small yet strong base driven by a strong community effort, their holistic approach to the environment and their plans for the year ahead. And you're very welcome to Core Creative, Seamus. Good morning, Robert. Oh, I'm So Seamus, we'll start with, would you just tell us the story of the Cape Clear Island Distillery, where the idea came from and where you are today? Well, the idea came from elsewhere, actually. Interestingly, it came from another island here in Roaring Water Bay, a beautiful island called Horse Island. And a few years ago, a gentleman called Adrian Fitzgibbon was the owner of Horse Island and applied for planning permission to build a distillery there. And for various reasons, uh, that did not go ahead. He had planning issues mm-hmm. and he decided to relocate to Cape Clear with a little bit of encouragement from us. And unfortunately, the planning did not go as quickly as he hoped on Cape Clear. And he saw greener pastures elsewhere. But before he left, uh, some of a, a group of us locals took over the kind of the planning permission and took over the project and continued with the project. And we've been continuing with it ever since. True story of local endeavor. That's a great story indeed. And in terms of the product, and I know you have a diverse portfolio of products, and we'll certainly talk about um, some of them today, but how does the gin go from field to bottle? So walk our listeners through how your gin is made, if you would, please. Well, the most important thing about our gin and our product is that we wanted to have a very authentic, we wanted to have an extremely good quality gin. And we also wanted to have one that resonated with people who know and understand about the islands. So it was very important for us. It was absolutely crucial that gin would contain natural products harvested on the island. Fortunately, there's quite a few people on the island who are familiar with plants and familiar with gardening and familiar with all that sort of thing. And we formed a group and they literally spent six, seven months just basically trying out hundreds of plants and trying to find something that would give a very distinctive and unique taste to our gin, but was also fairly you know, unique to the island. And in fact, after about six months, I was tearing my hair out because uh, they were getting nowhere. They were producing a lot of very nice gin but they weren't producing a very distinctive gin and we were getting quite worried. But then at the end of it all, they decided to turn their attention to the seashore or below the seashore. And they started using seaweed called Laminaria digitata growing right in front of the distillery. And this gives a very sweet taste to the gin, which brings the sweetness and the freshness of the sea true into the gin. 
it was very interesting because when they tried that, they were having lots of arguments up to that point or differences of opinion. But when they tried that, they all said this was the eureka moment. They had found a very, very unique flavor. So it's that and it's honeysuckle and fuchsia, all of which, of course, are handpicked on the island. And of course, we have our own well, well water as well, which we use. It's genuinely very, very distinctive handcrafted product from Cape Clear. Oh, that's brilliant. And you've clearly in your previous answer, you've outlined how important, I suppose, the, the island and the island community is to the distillery. But is there um, something else you'd like to elaborate on that, on the importance of community and the Cape Clear community to the distillery and to the crafting of your gin? Well, I mean, a lot of people have lent a hand in many, many ways, because when we started the distillery, we had a lot of passion and a lot of interest, but we didn't have a lot of money. And a lot of what we did was actually recycled and rebuilt and repurposed. Different people came down and gave their skills, gave their time and gave their effort. So it is quite literally a distillery we built ourselves and there is lots and lots of bits and pieces here and there. If you were to come into the distillery and you were to point at any corner, I could say, I know the guy who built that, or I can tell you the lady who was helping out there. And so there's a lot of effort, but a lot of personal sweat gone into that distillery from different people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also very important, I think, for the product, uh, for the distinctiveness and for the authenticity of what we're doing here, that people know People actually built this thing. They did, it didn't just arrive in a truck or something. Sure. A lot of effort has gone into it. No, that's it's great to hear. And as I said, it's a it's a true story of community endeavor. It's a very inspiring story for sure. And you mentioned as well the the, digi, the local ingredients. So you mentioned fuchsia, honeysuckle, and the seaweed, which I granted I won't try to pronounce that again. <laughs> but you mentioned those as your distinctive ingredients. Do you think it's always important to stick to the core flavor base and the core ingredients from the island, or would you diversify to something else? Do you think? No, we've no intention of diversifying. Sure. There's lots and lots of gins out there and people are trying all sorts of flavors and good luck to them but for us it's a gin from Cape Clear when you come in on the ferry and you're on the boat and you're coming in you see all the sea all around you what do you want in a gin from Cape Clear you want what you're looking at you want what you're feeling you want Mm. to get that and that's what we've provided with this gin and we're extremely proud of what we've achieved a lot of sweat went into it and a lot of trial and error Mm. and we don't really think it can be and much improved upon the best thing to do with, with our recipe is to respect it and to be careful with it, you know, to make sure that the ingredients are fresh and that you're harvesting them correctly. So we would be focused on keeping what we have and being extremely careful to do it right. That's really the importance. Sure. I think that's for us is the most important thing. I, I see on your website as well, you're speaking about the cask gin and the cask finished gin. And I found that fascinating because I suppose it, it speaks to my ignorance, but I only assumed that was something to be associated with beers and whiskies. But how did that come about and how has that informed your finishing of your special cask edition gin? You see, the important thing about where we're at is the environment. Mm-hmm. Everything is about the environment. And we've got a very, very special and unique environment here in Cape Fear. We've got a particular microclimate because it's very humid and we're actually down right at the seashore. So you're getting all of that kind of wa- uh, fresh air and fresh water coming in, all of that. So the saltiness of the air, the moisture and the, the Gulf Stream. So it's a very, very particular climate and we have a young man working with us who has a lot of experience in the wine industry and a lot of experience with calvados and other products products in france Mm -hmm. and he was saying look 
you know, it's one thing to have the right ingredients like the seaweed and this type of thing, but we really need to try and get the atmosphere into the uh, drink as well. So he said, look, the best way of doing that is by the maturation process. Mm -hmm. And why don't we try and get some really good casks that are really, really suitable for our gin and see what happens. That's what he did. He put a huge amount of effort into cast selection. And it's a question of selecting the right casts for the type of product that we have. Sure. And we had our first product there before Christmas mm. and we're, we're absolutely delighted with it. Yeah. And one of the things, again, because of the attention to detail, that normally a cast gin is you put it into a cask and you kind of, it's from one cask, Mm -hmm. But we wanted to do something really special. So we chose three different casks with great care. And then we've blended the gin out of those casks. And that gives you a whole selection of different flavors coming through in the gin. For the winter, it doesn't need a garnish or anything, but it's very nice to put a small drop of vanilla in with your gin and tonic and a bit of ice. It's a beautiful, beautiful smell drink. That's brilliant. As I said, as I, I found it fascinating and I'd just certainly encourage our listeners to visit your website and read more about the story there and to see your site. And the, the gin itself is so distinctive in terms of the simplicity of the packaging, but the complexity of the color of it versus what they would standard or they would typically appreciate or expect from a gin, which would be clear. Well, you're mm. absolutely right. And the packaging was chosen especially for its simplicity. And obviously mm. the label is translucent because we felt, look, the product speaks for itself. Mm. So rather than try and hide the product with fancy packaging, we're doing exactly the reverse. We're using the minimal amount of packaging to tell people what they know and showing them the actual product. And I think it's, it's just a beautiful, deep color. Mm. And you can, see, uh, you can see from outside what you're, well, you can imagine and you're, hopefully you won't be disappointed what you're going to taste and appreciate with the gin. No, indeed. But the, the focus on packaging is something that you've, you've carried through your entire products. Everything from, I suppose, your standard gin all the way through. You have a very distinctive packaging and a good packaging ethos. And you've, you've laser-etched bottles as an example. Can you speak a little bit about your focus on packaging and the importance of that to the overall marketing of your gin? Well, that was another interesting part of how we approached the project because we wanted to do two things. We actually had a very limited budget and a lot of the things we actually did, as I already said, we built ourselves, we did ourselves, and it was really with our own two hands. But there were a number of areas we didn't compromise. And one of them was on the design, because a, unfortunately, there are a lot of products out there. And let's be honest about it. The designs are a little bit hit and miss, uh, for want of a better word. But we felt we needed to have a very professional approach to the design. Mm. But we also wanted to have a very strong local input into the design. Mm. So we employed a guy who is very well renowned in the spirits industry, Terry Green, who has worked on quite a number of very high profile labels, high profile reputation in the industry. Mm. But the, uh, we told him, look, we want you to design the, do the designs for us, but you've actually got to work with us. And we set up a group of about six or seven people who worked with Terry and who formulated the various ideas for the design. And they gave him the ideas, but then he went away, took those ideas and produced a design that I think we're all very, very pleased with. Indeed. It's excellent. So it, was, it was a great cooperative approach mm. because it, it depended on having a professional person doing the designing, but a professional person that was prepared to listen to people and sure. take the ideas on board and work with them. And that's what we had. And that's why the combination worked so well. A collaborative approach, much like the approach you took to building the entire distillery from the ground up in the first yes. instance, indeed. 
And being Ireland's only island-based distillery, it has advantages in terms of community and collaboration, but no doubt it also presents challenges in terms of the environment and logistics. Can you speak a little bit about those challenges that you've come across and how you've overcome them? Well, it does, and we're approaching those challenges in different ways. Already, we've implemented a number of projects in, to reduce our, our carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. We installed a solar water heating system, which works for most of the year in heating the water that we're preheating the water that we're going to distill with. Mm-hmm. And we did that on a very tiny budget. We've also reconfigured former header tank on the site, which was used by the fish farm. And that means we can use stream-fed uh, source of water for our cooling system. And again, that's been done on a budget. And even at the moment, we're, we're, working, we're working on a really nice little project at the moment. We've had to disturb. We, we're very pleased. Our, one of the nicest parts of working down there is, the, of course, the wildlife. And we appreciate all our neighbors. Our, we, we appreciate the seals and the birds. But in particular, there is a resident summer colony of swallows that come every year and they're so graceful. So we've had to actually disrupt some of their nests, unfortunately, for some of the works we've done. Mm-hmm. And now uh, we're actually replacing, we're, we're creating new areas for the swallows to come so that they will be able to come and their nests won't be disturbed. And we want to see the swallows with us for many, many years to come. So we've got a very, very holistic view in regard to the environment. And it's very important to us because we're in a beautiful place We want to keep it like that. We want to be part of it. And we want people to come and bring a little bit of that beauty away with them, but without doing any harm to the local environment. That's very important. And I suppose it's great to hear that you're so considerate of the environment and taking that holistic approach. But inevitably, on an island and as an island distillery, you're going to feel the impact of climate change more, shall we say. And is that something that you've already seen evidence of? And is that something that you're anticipating in the future? Or can you even factor that in into a business plan, so to speak, right now? You have a very good point there. And The interesting thing is that Hurricane Aurelia, which was the worst hurricane to hit these parts in over 150 years, happened. Mm. And we know the severity of that hurricane because the harbor, which was built in the 1840s, suffered very, very severe damage. But the distillery is actually located about a mile and a half east of the harbor and was on the same trajectory in terms of the bad weather coming in. Mm-hmm. And there was a seawalt built in, in the area of the distillery for the former business of the fish farm, a reinforced concrete wall that was built. And that wall has, has performed perfectly. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons for choosing the particular site is that the sea defences have already been put in place. Sure. And we are now at the moment looking towards building a cast store on the site. And Mm. even though we've never had an incident of any significant ingress into the site because of the extremely, you know, the the extremely successful seawall that's already been built, that store will also have a second line of defense and Mm. it will be built with up to a certain height with mass concrete, reinforced mass concrete. So Mm. we are aware of climate change and we are taking a belt and braces approach. But we want to do more than just create defenses because climate, yes, to some extent, that's important. But we're very interested in going the whole hog and using all the surfaces. We've already had talks with people about using the surface areas of the buildings for solar panels. And Mm -hmm. we could actually, on the site as it is, given the amount of production that we have, we could actually be producing more energy than we're actually using in the distillery. And that's one of the projects we have 
on hand for the future, that we'll actually be a net producer of energy. That's the type of thing, that's the type of approach. And But of course, in the environmental sense, reusing uh, materials mm. is also a very good thing to do because there's materials there that uh, w- you know would be going to landfill or would mm. be thrown away. And instead of that, we've reconfigured them into a new project and that's a lot less wasteful as well. So we're very conscious of all of the issues that, we, that you've mentioned. It's great to hear that it's so inherent in all that you do and that it's factored into such an extent. I think it starts as a, a great example to other, other distilleries and other companies indeed to adopt a similar approach. Moving to a, a different topic, so to speak, I've noticed this with beers and spirits in general, but the, particularly with gin, the market seems to have for gin and for distinctive flavored gins has grown exponentially over the last two years. And at the beginning, how did you differentiate yourself and how do you do you plan to use the same strategy to differentiate yourself in the future? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, the market for gin has grown, but there's also a huge amount of gins on the market and the market's very crowded. I think that's the point you were trying to make and you're absolutely correct. That is a challenge for us. Um, mm. Our gin is very distinctive because it's a coastal gin using seaweed. So it's actually, there aren't that many gins of that kind around. And also our cast gin is also very distinctive. So sure. we've decided to produce very distinctive gins mm. and we have a very good following in the locality. So that's a very good sign that we have a very, you know, a particular product. So we've had a lot of analysis and worked on the gin and we know the kind of people who would like, would like it, who'd be interested in it. And it's the type of gin that is directed at seasoned gin drinkers, as informed gin drinkers, people who know their gins and who actually are aware that this particular type of gin has its own distinctive taste and will want to, will want to try it. So Mm. it's a gin for educated gin drinkers obviously anyone can buy it but it's it's that type of product and actually there's millions of them in the world so we need to try and find a way of getting to those people and finding a way of introducing them to our gin and that's one of the challenges we have for the years ahead but in that regard one of the nicest projects we worked on was a collaborative project with other distilleries Mm -hmm. and it was a distillery from Donegal, Galway, Kerry and ourselves here in Cork And we produced a lovely coast pack, which is based on the Wild Atlantic Way of four distinctive coastal gins Mm. in the one package. And it's very good to know for for listeners to know and for you to know Mm -hmm. that there's an awful lot, even though there are a lot of distilleries out there, there's a lot of cooperation going on between them. And they're all doing very exciting things. And we're all kind of quite helping one another along the way. And I think there's a great future for all of the coastal distilleries along the wild atlantic way no that's that's an excellent point to make and it's it certainly chimes with what we're hearing from other distillers and other breweries as well the the collaboration and cooperation amongst the community it's it's brilliant it, there's there's sometimes the false assumption and i might have it at times that there's it's very competitive but you're, it's, you're taking a very collaborative approach to the benefit of you all which is it's it's great to hear when you speak about the your gin being for a more mature drinker, a more seasoned gin drinker, would you think that the Irish palate or just the global palate for gin has become more refined over the years? There's more of an appreciation for it now. Oh, there's no doubt about that. People are very, very educated. So that's, that's a benefit for us mm-hmm. because when you have a gin, we have a gin which is distinctive, which has a very great deal of authenticity to it. And mm-hmm. it's also a very simple gin. So I mean, simplicity in the taste, in the mean, sorry, not in the taste, but in the sense of clarity, mm. in the sense of 
and not being fussy. Mm. It's a gin that a seasoned or a, you know, a, a mature gin drinker will want to taste, will want to try. And there's a lot of people who know their gins and people like that would be very much wanting to have a bottle or more than one bottle of Cape Clear gin. But it's also a gin that has particular qualities to it. So it's a gin, if people want to take gin with food, mm-hmm. particularly with seafood, it's, it's um, one that they would consider or mm-hmm. using it you know, as an aperitif or whatever. It goes very well in that milieu. Mm-hmm. But even for somebody who isn't a seasoned drinker, um, I'm not a seasoned drinker of gin, mm-hmm. but even for me, I find it's a beautiful gin. And uh, what I like to do with it is take it with a touch of concentrated pomegranate juice. And okay. oh my God, it's, it's a wow when you take it like that. It's really, really good. A very interesting serving suggestion. I, I, it's, this, is a, this is an education for sure for me also. Um, for your plans for 2022 and beyond, what are your plans and is the plan to focus wholly on gin still or is there plans to diversify the portfolio, so to speak? No, the plans are, are mm. many, but we have to t- approach them. So our approach to this project has been just to take one step at a time. Mm. So we, we actually don't really go by our own word. We're normally taking about three steps at the t- same time. <laughs> it's challenging. But mm. yes, so what we're hoping to do for 2022, we've got a number of projects lined up. We want to focus on our online sales, on mm. our digital marketing strategy, and trying to reach some of those discerning gin drinkers in the various other European countries like mm-hmm. the UK and Spain and Italy and so forth. So mm-hmm. that's one project. We also have a project we want to launch a Navy strength gin. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a lot of work done on that. We also are working on a pink gin. Mm-hmm. And it took a long, long time, much longer for us to develop the pink gin than the other gins because, you know, it's a pink gin is actually quite hard to do if you're not using, how would I put it, if you're not using off the shelf uh, materials or sure. ingredients because it's to fix the color of the gin and mm-hmm. it's 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 it, in a way that it'll stay and so we've done a huge amount of work on that mm-hmm. and we hope to have a pink gin this year which would be a pink gin which purely natural products uh, creating Great. the pink gin and i think that's going to be a very nice product when it comes so we're also mm-hmm. looking towards developing a cast store and mm-hmm. instead of building a distillery and then a cask store we're actually going to jump and not build a distillery for the moment the whiskey distillery rather than the gin mm-hmm. distillery not build a distillery but build a cask store and get the the actual whiskey distilled elsewhere but you get the maturation process on the island because the island you know is is crying out to have a cask store and to have mm-hmm. i mean anyone who's at all interested in whiskey will be just dying to have a bottle of whiskey matured in the most southwesterly point in Ireland with the particular microclimate that Cape Clear has. Sure. We expect that the maturation here is about 20% faster than, say, Scotland or someplace like that, or okay. places uh, more towards the north of our, in north, northern part of Ireland. Sure. And um, so it's going to be very, very interesting getting our castor and getting our whiskey maturation underway. Well, that's brilliant. I look forward to sampling some of that myself in due course. You, were, you spoke about Navy strength gin for the uneducated, and I count myself amongst them. What, what's involved with a Navy strength gin, or what does that entail? Well, a Navy strength gin is um, a bottle of much stronger gin. Okay. It would be normally, I think, around 57% or thereabouts, okay. so it's a much higher proof. And obviously, it has certain uses. It's mm. uh, very, very useful for in cocktails, 
So mm-hmm. people who are mixologists like to use stronger mm-hmm. strength. Obviously, they're very careful about the quantities that they use. Of course. But somebody who might be coming to Cape Clear and bringing a bottle back with them, they can bring a Navy strength bottle and they actually have more gin in the same bottle at the end of the day. <laughs> but again, it's for people who know what they're doing and who understand sure. that it's a, it's a much higher level of alcohol and you've got to be a, appropriate in how you use it thereafter. So no, of course. people who, who are familiar with it and they know how to do it, it's, it's a great product. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Seamus, for taking the time to discuss Cape Clear Island Distillery and all of your products and plans with us. It's been an education, as I said, and thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you for having me. You can all of it. Mm-hmm.